0: Hey Atari Hackers, welcome to this week's episode. You love tools, Mark and I love tools, we all love tools. So today's episode is going to be about tools. Well, that was a little bit anticlimactic, but in all seriousness, the tool stack that we use every year to build websites is evolving rapidly and there's new players coming onto the playing field and then things are getting, and then some tools are actually getting worse. So we know that you guys are interested in knowing which tech we recommend you use exactly to build your sites in 2021. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about the hard tech tools we use from the registrars to the hosting, to Gutenberg versus page builders to CDN and speed services. We are going to be covering absolutely everything that we would pick if we started a brand new website today and why the options that we pick are better than the competition. And in this episode, we are also introducing some new segments to spice things up a little bit. So let's get started and not tease you anymore. Welcome
1: to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster.
0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Authority Hacker Podcast. Before we get started with this week's episode, I just want to make a point. We will never, ever talk about email marketing again, apparently, because the last podcast Mark and I did together, uh, the last two podcasts we did on email marketing, were absolutely disastrous in terms of views. I'm not blaming the audience or anything, but it's quite interesting. Uh, It was a bit of an experiment for us in the sense that... uh, we wanted to see whether people would be interested in us going off that topic of like building links and ranking on Google. Probably not.
1: <laughs> I disagree with that. If we just follow the numbers the whole way, you know, if we just talk about content and links for eternity and nothing else. I think we have so much more in our repertoire that certain people are interested in. And if it means you know, a lot of our audience skip that week so that few people can get a lot of value out of it that week, then I think it's worth it.
0: I would agree in principle. I'm not sure the YouTube platform agrees and will reward you for that. So it's like, it's we're not really to-
1: gaming the YouTube platform with our podcast so much, to be honest. Eh, I could see I mean, if, we're, if we're doing a proper YouTube style YouTube channel, which, you know, may or may not be coming at some uh, point in future. Yeah. Then might be a different story.
0: But anyway, yeah, it's okay. But like I just wanted to highlight that because I think a lot of people should check it out actually. As the SEO is becoming a lot harder and a lot of things are changing, etc., I think it's quite important for people to, you know, try to develop new traffic sources, new monetizations, etc. So if you have missed these podcasts on email, you should go check them out because we have made quite good money using email marketing on affiliate sites as well. And it's a it's a really good method to generate extra income on the site, even though in the last podcast we did together, the first part actually explains why we still think that ranking on Google is superior in terms of absolute earnings. It's still a good complementary source of income, pretty much. But anyway, back to the main topic, which is, how's it going, Mark?
1: <laughs> it's going good. I actually had an answer prepared for this, but I forgot to write it down in the notes, so I've got nothing, I'm afraid. Yeah, that's uh,
0: disappointing, I guess. You have to wait. So,
1: wait a week for my next witty answer, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. I don't think people can wait that long. You're going to have to like uh, make a... A video on Twitter or something like this to to make up for that lack of answer. But you have something new this week for us to get started with the podcast. So what's going on with that?
1: Yeah, so we're introducing a new segment to this podcast every week, at least when Gail and I are doing it. And it's going to be called content of the week. So it's just a piece of content from not necessarily ourselves, but from around the community, which we see and Think there's some good value, in so you know want to share it with with our audience. So the content of the this week was actually published last month by Ahrefs on their blog, and it's the pretty good detailed beginner's guide to link building. Now I remember back in the day when Moz uh, Rand Fishkin wrote the beginner's guide to SEO. It was one of their most famous, really actually quite good pieces of content that Not they, so much they anymore, produced. Right? A little bit out of date these days. Uh, to be honest, I haven't I haven't read it in, in a few years. So maybe they they have updated and it's a bit, mi- bit updated, more yeah. a bit more accurate for twenty twenty one SEO. I I don't know. But when we have new people come into the team, we like to show them certain pieces of content and to give them a fundamental experience, I guess of. Uh, certain elements of SEO, and this is particularly true for people who have no SEO experience. And we hire a lot of people who have no SEO experience, no link building experience, uh, if we want to train them to be link builders. Because we found that having the wrong experience is actually worse than having no experience for certain roles. So this uh, beginner's guide to link building is a really good piece of content to share with, to I think share with new team members day one, hour one. They come on board, say, "Hey, read this," and then let's talk about it. I think succinctly and efficiently goes into enough detail about the landscape of link building to give people the sort of solid fundamentals of, of what it is. So I think it's a really good piece of content uh and it'd be very useful to share in that situation.
0: It's not really for advanced people though. It's really like it's not really not at all. For, but you know, one thing that is interesting for advanced people is like trying to understand the SEO strategy of Ahrefs behind how they're doing things here. So that's typical of like this is a hot page. This is this is basically how you do a content hub page. I've given several uh, examples in the past, but that's a really good one, because they essentially have like five or six chapters, five chapters, and at the end of each, they have essentially a list of the other pieces of content on link building that would be targeting like guest posting as a keyword, for example, etc. So that page is a hot page that targets link building. It ranks on page one for link building. Bottom of page, not bottom, bottom, but like middle, bottom, like second half of page one. But I can see what the tr- the plan is here. The plan is to make this kind of like a PR, you know, promote it a lot on their social channels, get maybe like search engine journal to write about it, blah blah blah, link to this stuff, and then they are passing link juice with uh, a keyword rich anchor text to their other posts, something building like for example guest posting or PR or something like this, or like what is anchor text and these kind of things, and it's quite interesting because it's something that we do. And I think Ahrefs overall does a really good job with the blog and SEO strategy. You know, it's not like the Ahrefs blog is not a blog that like people get super excited about and talk necessarily a lot about on like social media, etc. that's very buzzing with brand new case studies, etc. But they're doing a really good job at matching search intent, capitalizing on their domain authority, it's a good library of content. And like when you actually search for something and you get on their content, it's like it's good, you know, it's like it's useful. And it's like I would I would read it whenever I care about the topic. Like I'm working on like a new blueprint for Toy Hacker right now, and some of their content was actually useful and is in my resources for that. And I was happy to read it at the time I, when I cared about a specific subtopic. So and I think that's really like what a modern blog is these days. Like blogs are not really a social interaction vector anymore, as they are like a useful library of content that at the same time, like, you know, you will engage with it if you care about the topic, but if you don't care about the topic, you will kind of ignore it. Essentially what happened with our email marketing podcast, you know, (laughs) like uh, some people engage with that, but it's only like, hopefully they rank on search or something. And eventually people who care about that will watch that, but it's not necessarily made for like a broad audience and like everyone that's following it. So it's kind of the same with H F. So if you want an example of a strong hub page, top of silo page that then passes link juice to subpages while being a piece of content that can rank for a really good keyword, aka link building, this page is actually a good case study for your own SEO knowledge. And how they're doing stuff. So I wanted to highlight that because I think for the more advanced people, that's the interesting part about this article, you know. So yeah,
1: something you said there uh, reminded me what my answer to how how is it going, Mark, was going to be, <laughs> and that is that at the time of recording, we've actually started working on the next Authority Hacker Pro blueprint, and by the time this goes out, we'll have started on two Authority Hacker Pro blueprints. So lots of new good content coming out for Authority Hacker Pro in the not too distant future. So keep an eye out for that one.
0: Yeah, last year was a bit more focused on your toy side system and this year is going to be a lot of love for Authority Hacker Pro pretty much. Anything else to add on this content of the week news
1: section? No, let's talk about what people came here for, the tools. Okay, let's talk about the tools. This, this we know people will
0: like. I'm not worried about that one. And so it's something that we kind of like do every year, where it's like, okay, what are the tools we use to build websites? And there's more and more options out there that are viable, and so it's going to be interesting. There's going to be a bit of debate around everything. And we're just going to go by technical layer, right? So the first thing you do when you build a website is you buy a domain. And so we're going to start with the domain, and really for I, just,
1: us. I just want to say that if you want to get a list of these or the links to these, our affiliate links especially, then if you go to authorityhacker.com forward slash two five three that'll redirect you to the podcast show notes with with all the links to all these these tools. And it'll also be in the YouTube description, I believe.
0: Yeah, it will be. But like, it's funny because the first two we're going to mention, I think we've made four bucks ever in total from this because it's a... Pretty bad affiliate program, so we're definitely not gonna make a lot of money from that recommendation. But we will still use it, and it's called Namecheap.com. So that's what we use to register domains. I've been using it pretty much since I started online marketing and buying domains uh, for buying fresh domains, not for buying expired ones, etc.
1: The thing about Namecheap is, I mean, they do hosting and other stuff as well, but it's really just focused on selling you domains. And they do a really good job of it. It's super simple. For anyone who's used GoDaddy and has had problems with the like automatic... Like when your credit card expires, like having to go in and and put that back in there. I remember once I tried to do that, but the 2FA didn't work and my phone said to like call them up and then that didn't work. And then I spent like an hour on the phone with someone only to tell me that, oh, you have to call Arizona when they're online and you're in, I was in Bali at the time. It was just, Total Nightmare with GoDaddy honestly. Namecheap on the other hand, I don't think we've ever had a single problem with them in the 10 plus no. years we've been using them for all our domains.
0: Yeah, it's it doesn't do it's not that fancy or anything. It's not doesn't do anything much better. It just does what it's supposed to do for a good price.
1: .com domain names are pretty cheap these days as well. I remember these about 15 bucks or something and now they're $8.88 per year on on Namecheap which is
0: It's Uh, like a deflation, like we're we're kind of like reversing in this. But yeah, I like Namecheap. It's simple. We still, you know, in the auto side system, I want to highlight that. We recommend people buy their domain when they buy their hosting. we'll talk about hosting in a second. Usually we make people buy their domains through SiteGround. And it's just like, they just go through that wizard and they essentially get you know, the whole WordPress stuff, etc. The reason we tell newbies to do that is because it's just simpler. Like they don't have to meddle with the DNS and their site gets live right away and there's less issues basically. But when you're a little bit more advanced and you're not afraid of playing with DNS records, then I tend to prefer separating my registrar from my hosting so that if I decide to change hosting, it's a lot easier because if everything's under one uh, roof, then SiteGround becomes not so good anymore at some point or whatever you need to also move your domain extract. It's a mess. Whereas if you have your domains on another provider, then you can just change the DNS records and boom, here you go, you are on a new hosting. It's much easier. Talking about domains, that's something I didn't put in notes, Mark, but we have been buying some expired domains recently as well. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that as well. There's basically, initially when I started, I started the really old school way. I was just on GoDaddy auctions and I would just like I can't like I was just looking at the, the domains people are bidding on and I was just like trying to guess you know what would be popular and based on the names, et cetera. And then just throwing them in Ahrefs and deciding which domains have you know are good enough for me to bid on. And now I'm using a tool called SpamZilla that essentially has more filters. So it does that, it scrapes a couple of marketplaces, including GoDaddy. And you know you can filter for domain rating, for number of links, like there's some kind of like link toxicity metrics and things like that. It's quite fast and easy to use. And uh, if you are in the market for expired domains, I mean, to do whatever you want, to be honest, if you want to be build PBNs, if you want to build sites on them, or if you want to just redirect them to your site, which tend to be the three main uses of expired domains. I like Spamzilla, it's, uh, how much is it? I think it was 14 bucks a month or something, I'm not sure. Let me just check because it's not too expensive, basically. If you are regularly buying domains and usually you pay several, like, you know, for a good domain, you pay a, around three to $500 for that. So it's like, Spamzilla like is $37 per month, sorry. So, yeah, if you're doing this regularly, I think it's it's worth it because you save a lot of time. I would just spend... Like every two to three days, I would spend 20 minutes on it and I would already find all the opportunities that would be worth looking at. And because the auctions tend to be several days, you know, you don't have to check every day. So I I recommend that if you are into uh, expired domains, but it's something that we're definitely, you know, building up our skills on much more than like uh, the rest. So there may be better options uh, let us know in the comments if you have better options, actually. That's all I had for domains, really. So the next section is going to be hosting, and here we're just going to be pretty simple. It really depends what you want. Do you want to have something that's good value? Do you want to have good service? Or do you want to have both? And then essentially you're going to spend money. For beginners, as I said earlier, we recommend SiteGround because it's quite cheap to start. I think it's like three ninety. Let me recheck that. They change all the time their
1: prices. $7 per month. For the cheap package now, so it's it's gone up a lot.
0: 5.99 euros, yeah, seven dollars. Okay, I'm checking the test site. I was checking the size speed of the test site, for example. It's quite good, to be honest. Like, and they have a lot, like they have their own caching plugin in there, for example. So you don't need to pay for something like a WP Rocket or something like this. So there is some built in services in there, image optimization and so on. So. I wouldn't call it the super basic hosting anymore. I think it's like a mid level hosting for a decent price. I
1: like it. Low they, to mid, I'd say. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But they get you because the second year tends to be a lot more expensive than the first year. Uh, usually it's, it's around f- double the 15
1: price. $15 per month instead of seven. So it's like it almost more than doubles in price. But most hosting companies, to be fair, most beginner focused hosting companies to be fair will do this. Just it can come up as a bit of a shock to people if you're paying yearly and you get paid and, and you get billed, you know, two hundred dollars or something. Uh, When you weren't expecting it. So just be careful that.
0: Yeah, but I like their customer service as well. So, I mean, personal story my sister, she's got her site on there and she doesn't know at all how to do DNS stuff, et cetera. And every time she needs something, she goes on the chat and I do it for her. For example, it's quite nice. She doesn't have to worry about it. Uh, her site goes down. They also help with that. I don't. I don't have to do it. I like it, because <laughs> otherwise she would call me and she would make me. Uh, she would make me do this. So I'm pretty happy about that. I like the direct integration with Cloudflare as well. I think it's nice that you don't even have to go on Cloudflare.com to set up Cloudflare on SiteGround and it gives you a really good DNS with a really good time to first byte and you know good value overall. Like I, not the cheapest, but good value. I like it. And then if you want like the like a much better performance at decent value, but then you will trade off the customer support, et cetera, for it. And that's what we use for most of our sites that are not our main sites these days. It's going to be Cloudways. But Cloudways together with Volta high frequency, because Cloudways allows you to run you know, digital ocean, if you want Google cloud, Amazon web servers, et cetera, et cetera. And so, uh, virtual high frequencies, high frequencies, sorry, has been really good. And you can start at 13 bucks per month. Uh, and actually, I gave you a login to a WordPress. Using, I want you to log in, Mark, because using that setup, I've never seen WordPress admin run so fast. It almost feels like a desktop app. So I want you to log in and tell me, like, remember how Atari Hacker, for example, if you go on Atari Hacker, you click and you're waiting like seven seconds for whatever new post or whatever you want to do.
1: And let me let me yeah, know what you think. That's noticeably <laughs> fast. Yeah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's like desktop fast, but it's like It's close enough. Yeah. yeah. I've never seen WordPress load like this before. It feels like something else is going on. That's yeah. the
0: admin as well, so it's not cached, right? That's so really they, cool. Because they run it on really fast SSDs, etc. So it's really nice to work on it. And the site itself is really fast as well. Like this site I gave you, loads under a second, uh, with a very minimal setup we'll talk about later. So that works well. Now for people who want... like, Can, can really I just
1: say, ask a question? So that's 13 bucks a month. SiteGround yep. is $7, renewing to 15 So this is actually cheaper than SiteGround... At yep. The post one year. Mark.
0: Not only that, but you can. This server that you logged on has three websites on it. Three small websites, but I'm actually running three sites on it. So, you know, you're responsible for managing your resources here. So you could overload your server; it could be turning to crap. You can scale it and pay more money, but it's like it's not like SiteGround where they will manage it for you. But you could run many sites on that 13 bucks per month server.
1: And do they have? Like live chat, phone line, customer support, you can call and get help with stuff or what's they the last support? Here?
0: They do, but like, um, it's just like, you know, you're going to have to fight a little bit more to get technical support. And uh, sometimes maybe you get like a first level of support that's a bit useless, then it will go to the next level and it's going to be a bit better. So it's not too bad, but it's also the user interface is much more complicated, right? So it's like you have your server level, then below that you have your project level, then below that you have your applications level. And it's like, it's a little more complicated, a bit
1: more intimidating for beginners then which
0: is why I don't have that in your toy side system for example it's better value and also it's more expensive on the first year and so like people still would be iffy about that so I but like if I start a new a new small site on the site now I just put it on Cloudways. and then usually when these sites become important to us make us good money, etc then we move them to like our premium hosting so we use Kinstar and we highly recommend it because this is the best support I've ever had with a hosting provider and you know, it's like we got DDoS attacked on authority hacker, for example, many times and people like, you know, like sites going down at the worst time ever in the middle of a webinar, etc. And every single time the support at Kinsta has been solving this for us. And it's also very easy to use uh, control panel. Like it's on the level of SiteGround to use, but it's kind of like the next level is the, the premium tier.
1: It's not only that support can fix the problem, but it's the first person you can talk to, you talk to yeah. who you get through to straight away, fixes it really fast, straight away. So it's just a really good experience,
0: yeah. So, we pay a lot of money for that. I think we pay, we pay like, yeah, hundreds of dollars per month. So, I'm not going to say exactly which plan we're on, but we're on an old plan and we still pay like a lot of money. But for the size that make us a lot of money, I'm more than happy to pay for that and essentially outsource the server management, et cetera. And for the small projects that, you know, if they go down for a day, it's not the end of the world, then I'll put them on a cheap Cloudways server, pretty much, and it's still fast enough. So that's basically, you know, there's many other hosts, providers, etc., but really, like, we're more... Into like pick pick what you want, pick your poison. Do you want to trade time for money or money for time, etc.? And then if you want the easy basic stuff, go for SideGround. If you want the best value for money in terms of site speed and tech and server tech, go for Cloudways. If you want the best service with pretty good servers, I mean it's on Google Cloud, uh, go for Kinsta. And then yeah, that's pretty much it. Any any comments
1: on the hosting? Nothing, we covered everything.
0: Cool. Obviously, when you talk about hosting, now you're gonna talk about CDNs right after. So CDN is content delivery network. So basically, a lot of your assets can be cached more locally. So let's say, for example, our server for Atori Hacker is in Iowa, right? And so let's say you're in the Philippines and you want to open Autari Hacker. That's a long way for that image file to go from Iowa all the way to the Philippines. So what the CDN does is they take the biggest files, so you know, JavaScript files and images and you know assets, fonts, files, etc., and they will make a copy of these files on a much closer server. So maybe there will be a server in Manila, for example, in the Philippines. And so, you know, the really small HTML files will maybe load from Iowa. And then the big files that really take a lot, to, a lot of time or would be more difficult to go through like a lot of internet lines will load from that Manila server. And so that's what CDN does and it speeds up your website massively, especially in countries that are quite far away from you. By far the best value we found this year and I'm quite impressed and quite amazed that not many people talk about it is Cloudflare APO. And I think that people don't talk about it because there's no affiliate program because <laughs> it makes you no money. But uh, for five bucks, Cloudflare basically serves 95% of your files uh, through their servers that are, you know, they have one of the biggest, like, uh, number of locations out of any CDN provider. And it's really easy to set up as well. You just install the plugin on your WordPress site. You put your API key and you just toggle a button and you do it. I have a friend who came over to my place that I was helping uh, with his site a week ago two weeks ago. And he runs a pretty unoptimized site, right? He runs like both Elementor and Thrive, for example, and like has a bunch of other things. So I let you uh, get an idea of how slow the website was. We ran it through GT metrics before Cloudflare APO. And I I can't remember, but like it was like five seconds load and it had an e-grade for speed or something. It was pretty bad, pretty much. And we did Cloudflare APO and we waited about an hour and then his grade went from E to A, and he had 1.2 second page load, and pretty much everything went to green on So right? That's for $5 per month service. And so, you know, it's like, I mean, if you mix like Cloudways plus uh, Cloudflare Pure, for example, it's quite amazing. But even SiteGround, for example, like even if you're like on the cheapest SiteGround plan, because a all of the files will be served from Cloudflare. You don't have to have the absolute best hosting because Cloudflare is gonna do a lot of the heavy lifting for you. So you can often save on your hosting and then invest in this, and you know, kind of like add up the price of cheap hosting plus this versus expensive hosting and compare them. You know, so it's 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 really quite good. We make absolutely no money from recommending it, but I've been quite impressed. And that's usually the I buy Cloudflare pure on our sites that when they make their first dollar now. So it's like I don't I don't even bother. I put the free Cloudflare initially and then. When the site makes its first dollar, I'm like, okay, let's just put this, and then the site gets massively faster. So that's the first one. The second one is kind of like the premium option, which has been beating Cloudflare APO, but not by by maybe like 20%, not that much. And that's Nitropack, right? Nitropack got us better results. They essentially are a premium CDN service that rewrites a bit of your code and, and essentially reoptimizes your site. They also reoptimize your images, for example. But it's quite expensive. And so it's like, again, it's not something, we don't even run that on all of our sites. Like we could, but we don't. I don't think it's worth the price, you know. But like if you have a site with like 50,000 page views per month, it's $17.5. If you have 200,000 page views, $42.5 per month. And 1 million page views, $146 per month. And that's if you pay yearly. So it's not... Cheap, but I got yeah, 22 30% faster pages. I, t- I tended to have a few bugs with Cloudflare APO that I didn't get with NitroPack because it was a little bit more granular. There's more options you can play with. So for example, on the site like Authority hacker, Cloudflare APO gets a little bit glitchy on like the post widgets, you know, like they, they don't display properly, like they try to compress JavaScript a bit too much, etc. Whereas on NitroPack, I'm able to display it correctly by excluding some files and so on. So it's kind of like the level up, but for most small sites, I would say don't even bother. Go for Cloudflare APO, even though there's an affiliate link for my Nitro pack below. I like it, but I would only do it for like a business that like maybe makes six figures a year. You know, That's, that's kind of like what I'd be looking at. If you make six figures, sure, sure, like pay for that. It's worth it. If you don't, eh, Cloudflare APO is probably good enough. So that's basically the hosting CDN server side of uh, building websites, how we do these things right now. Now let's talk about themes and page builders, and I think we need to bundle them together because they're so like they're, they're so working together now. Like page builders are essentially theme builders now, and then a lot of uh, popular themes are running their own like Gutenberg plugins to make up for the fact that they're not page builders and so on. So it's very intricate. So again, it's going to be depending on what you want, and I'm going to give you the optimal page speed, the kind of in between. And then the optimal usability, but cost of page speed. So optimal page speed, I actually tested it this afternoon before the podcast. I tested generate press, sorry, plus generate blocks. And same, I put that on Cloudways and I loaded one of their template sites and kind of like edited it a bit for like an hour. And I still managed to make site start load at like, the site loads at like 0.6 seconds. It's quite crazy. It's like it's really, really fast. You know, you can do a lot of things with this generate block, but it's very hard to use. Like, it's very abstract. You know, it's like, I feel like we're going back to the days when you were in a classic editor and you had to put codes everywhere and kind of like, guess what it's going to look like and so on. And so it's technically possible and you will get the fastest site that you can with this, and it's probably enough to build like a basic site. Like if you want to start just, you know, a stage one site, just write some blog posts and, and rank basically on Google, yeah, you can do that. And if you're a page pit freak, that's probably what you're going to go for. Then my second solution, which is a little bit less efficient, but a lot more usable, was Cadence Theme plus Cadence Blocks. And I think you've used that. Yeah,
1: I think it's pronounced Cadence. Cadence.
0: You have used that recently, right?
1: Yeah, so I just set up a site for the, I don't normally set up sites, Gail takes care of that, but I set up this this site using Cadence and it was remarkably straightforward and easy to use. You know, the situation I would say was really good for is if you're like a service company or a product company or some kind of local business and you want to create like a, a site for that based on the template, they have a bunch of really good existing templates, super easy to customize, and they look super professional. Like to the point where I'm I'm wondering like what web designers who do websites for local businesses and stuff yep. these days even do because this really does it all. Not quite sure it's like the best approach for a kind of content-based authority site, but it's still like remarkably easy to use and yeah, looks fantastic.
0: So if Mark can use it, everyone can use it. And
1: uh, <laughs> yeah, I like it because
0: it's still like Gutenberg based, it's still like native WordPress, so it's a lot more optimized in terms of code than something like Elementor will be, which we'll talk about, or just like, you know, essentially what we will now call like older page builders, we're kind of like almost passing that as the trend and now it's becoming more like native WordPress. And what's good is like, they allow you to edit your header, your footer, et cetera, which historically has been quite difficult to edit in WordPress. But here you you have quite a lot of control and it's very visual. It's still, it's much nicer than Generate Press to edit. But it's not as nice in terms of the quality of the code. So to give you an idea, like this site on Generate Price was loading in zero point six seconds, and I put a site on Cadence on the same server, like it's that um, Cloudways server, and it loads in one point one second and is a little bit more like div levels in this etc. So it's not. It's not as nice, but it's not it's not too far. And um, personally, if I wanted to start a site without a page builder, I think that's kind of like my flow level. Like, where well, I would feel I have enough control over my site, but at the same time, it's quite optimized. And to be frank, if we start new sites, I will probably be using that setup as the initial setup until we feel that we might need a page builder, right? So that is cadence theme plus cadence blocks. The good news is there is a free version of both and a pro version of both. So you can... Upgrade whatever you want or use the free version if you want to try this for free. I've built sites on the free version, it's just fine, to be honest. So check it out. And finally, you have essentially the full out page builder, full of functionalities, which in our case we use Elementor, but you know, things like DV and things like tribe themes, etc. Essentially they're kind of in the same category, not exactly, but kind of in the same category. And it's quite interesting because I think Elementor, they definitely started on to understand, uh, people are a bit pissed off with like how bloated the code can be, I, I, it is. There's a lot of divs, et cetera, in the code, it's not very clean, and I've even managed to capture feature snippets by moving pages off Elementor without changing anything, for example. So it's not perfect, but the level of control you have over the design of your page, for example, to build a sales page for us, like the sales page for the authority side system, right? authorityhacker.com slash system. You guys can go check it out. There's no way I'm building this on just Gutenberg. There's no chance. I mean, it's technically possible, but not by me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's allowing you to do things that you would maybe not otherwise do that could make you a lot of money. But Elementor have started to ship performance improvements. First of all, they have something called a dumb size reduction project, which essentially removes a bunch of the divs they were using that are now redundant. So they removed like I think around 20% when you activate this of that, that code bloat essentially. And they've shipped another beta function that before, I don't know if you knew that, Mark, but when you were putting an elemental widget on a page, it would load the JavaScript of every single elemental widget, like all of them. So if you're putting you know a box it will still like the related posts and like the titles and like the buttons and even though you're never using this. So it was loading like a 200 kilobyte file pretty much. And now they've started to like just load like the the JavaScript of the elements that you're actually using. And also they don't load any code on the pages that do not use Elemental like zero, which means you're essentially able now to create websites that load elemental code and bloat on some pages. But if you are not using the team builder for Elementor, if you're not using that team builder, then you can have pages that are completely Elementor free. And I think, and that's what is interesting to me, it's like this kind of like cadence uh, setup with using elementor just on key pages. Like for example, if I use Elementor on my about page, I don't really care because it's not gonna rank on Google or even my homepage. Like it just ranks for my for my brand. But you can have, for example, the blog section that has zero elementor, is just using pure Gutenberg and everything, and has very, very clean optimized loading speed and code quality. And so you can run SEO as competitively as someone that runs All the Gutenberg setup while having the capability of creating advanced sales pages, et cetera, on key pages that you don't really care as much about the code quality because they're not intended to rank on Google anyway, like opt-in pages, et cetera. So I don't think it's dead, but I think that's kind of the future probably. And now that they only load the assets for the elements you're using, I also feel less bad building Gutenberg blocks with Elementor, which you can do, and just putting them in there because it ju- it will just load what it needs pretty much. So it's like probably not worse than having a plugin that would create call to actions for like affiliate offers, for example, that would also load JavaScript and CSS and everything. So Elementor is still there, but you know, it's one one thing that I'm kind of like fading away from is using that team builder. It's like, it's it's okay. But I tend to, like, um, if you wanted to optimize the code to the max, then I would use Cadence. In TAS, I still use the Team Builder because, again, it's easier. And it's not stopping you from doing well, to be honest. In most niches, like, it's really when you're in competitive niches. But you need to understand the technical cost that you have using these things, pretty much. So, yeah, that's where we're at. So there's a lot of possibilities. There's no right answer. And you can absolutely rank with all of these setups, really, like, and we have done that with all of these setups. So that's where we are on Teams and page builder. Any debate or anything like this, you want to? I'm, I'm
1: just thinking back to when Gutenberg first came out, and there's a wave of people who were like installing the WordPress Classic Editor on top of it. Oh yeah, and thinking this is terrible, this is terrible. But it's really come a long way, and you know, I think this is the future of, of you know, of, of the- WordPress. I I think Elementor has problems in a few years' time.
0: Actually, the WordPress is shipping full site editing, so header, footer, etc., with Gutenberg this year, actually. At some point this year, you will be able to natively edit your footer, your header with blocks. And so it's going to also bring a lot of uh, flexibility in how you build your site, which has always been a problem with WordPress. Like putting buttons and clickable phone numbers, etc., in headers, which makes sense, is going to be a lot easier. You won't need to code anything so yep that's pretty much we're going to talk about branding but you know I do that module in the side system but you've done that recently with your site so I want you to talk about it actually
1: yeah yeah so <laughs> I have last week actually I was, I was making a website and it's the first time I've done all the branding and stuff I am I mean I might as well be colorblind when it comes to, to <laughs> there's that. a saying and, in the
0: company right <laughs> if Mark likes, Mark likes something we have to redo it that's usually
1: <laughs> d- design wise yeah <laughs> yeah it's just I, I just I am totally inept when it comes to what looks good and what doesn't I, I haven't got a clue, but even someone like me was able to make something look, you know, I'm not going to say it's amazing, but it's okay. not half bad with these tools. So there's three tools I want to talk about. First is coolers.co. So that's colors with an extra O. It is a font pairing tool. It's totally free. You go on the website. It's all web-based and they have a bunch of pre-matched color palettes that you can you can pick from and they all look really good. If you want to just go in and pick one of those, that's what I did. Very easy. Or you can do like a randomly generated thing and they'll they'll have, I think, five or six. You can change how many colors you want, usually about five or six though colors and it'll, it'll show you a selection of colors that all go together. I'm not sure the te- underlying way it knows which, what goes with what. There, there's some kind of color chart that means this goes with this and this doesn't go with this. It takes all that into account. and when you see a color you like, circle of color, yeah. That's the one. When you see a color you like, you can lock it and then you just keep hitting spacebar and then it shows you other colors that go with that color. So it's very easy to like narrow something down that you like and then you know all the other colors in your palette, go with that one. Free, very easy to use, highly recommended. And there's a tool called FontJoy, which basically does the same thing except for fonts. And uh, you can go and find like a I think it's like a primary font, and then like two sub fonts. Uh, recommends you have three. I think you can add more, but that that seems to do the trick. Again, this is something I never really even thought about. Uh, like font, why does that matter? You know, Arial, that's fine, but. Mm. The ones that it suggests, like it looked pretty good, and I can see how they go with each other, and yeah, okay, it looks looks better and stuff. And I think all of them on there are also free fonts, or you can get them on on Google, Google fonts. fonts or whatever yeah. It is, yeah, uh, which is really handy as well. So those are the two tool, two tools that you start with, and once you have that, I've been playing around a lot with Canva recently, and the way I would describe Canva, it's, it's a web-based image editing tool for non-designers. The way I would describe it is it's kind of like back in the day when your options were kind of DOS or Windows 3.1 and then Apple came along Everyone's and had their dead like, from that time, you know. Apple Apple <laughs> Apple came along and they just they got rid of all the like command line useless like intimidating stuff that beginners were put off by and just here's all the stuff you just need and it's easy to use. It's kind of like that for Photoshop, and someone as graphically challenged as myself was was able to use it. They have loads of like templates, and the image editing is just very very easy. Everything snaps where it should be. You can export things to the correct size. It has all the dimensions for exporting things to social media, for example, and even like creating a logo on there. Like I thought you would have to be like a professional designer to ever create a logo from scratch, but they have just a bunch of templates in there that makes it easy to like kind of customize it and tweak it to your own settings or you can even upload it's
0: like well here's the thing you can
1: upload you can upload any image and like logify it basically in 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 canva Uh, and that's pretty unique like i've never seen that done before especially in in such an easy way it's 10 bucks a month as well there's a free version as well this doesn't have quite so many cool features and uh, the the paid version also has stock photos now, so you don't even need a, a stock photo subscription anymore. You just just use that.
0: Yeah, Canva is just really good. It also, it's like I can use more advanced tools. Like I'm doing like thumbnails with not Canva, you know. But I use Pixelmator Pro for people who want to know on Mac. But like when I want to do something quick, I still default back to Canva just because it's faster, you know. So I think uh, I think it's it's the perfect tool for all visual stuff for your website. And social media and for 10 bucks per month it's pretty good value when you consider that the stock photos and all this stuff is built in then i think it's it's a no-brainer there's no there's a reason why there was more than a billion dollars now i think actually
1: and so, the, yeah. the cool thing about Canva as well is you can import your color palette and your fonts as well that you picked in coolers or font joy and so all those options are like really easy to access within the tool itself so it makes doing stuff and making images yeah a lot of the illustrations as
0: well they have like you know multiple colors and you can change the colors on there to put your brand colors etc so it's like you can brand illustrations which is quite cool and really adds a level of refinement to your images that would be hard to match with just a normal stock photo for example it would be harder. you need to go in illustrator and like do this no way you would do that (laughs) so uh overall yeah canva uh, is really cool. And we recommend it to all website owners at this point. And uh, you're going to save a lot in designers. SEO plugins. SEO plugins has been an interesting market because Yoast used to be dominating that market for a long time, but they made a lot of big mistakes like indexing media pages, etc. cetera. And like some sites lost their rankings because of them together with removing features right there was more features on yours three years ago than there is today they were to try to make you upgrade to the paid one and then there's been a lot of challenges uh the two i'm thinking of are mostly seo press and rank math uh, but the one that really stood out even though i used to i picked seo press initially uh the one that really stood out in terms of feature became rank math and the free version of rank math pretty much does everything you're gonna need for your website unless you need advanced schema like multiple levels of schema per page, etc. That's what the pro version does. But I think for most people, it's overkill. It's more like if you're doing like recipes and you want to put your auto schema on top, and you want to maybe you have a video in there, so you want to put the video schema, so you can like stack more schema. Otherwise, the free version does a lot of stuff. Your sitemaps, it does. It handles the directions for your site. You can do your local data, like you know, like putting your organization stuff in there it can handle your social media tags, it can, of course, handle your title tags, meta description, index, no index, et cetera, et cetera. It, the pro version also has a rank tracker in there, but I don't think people would use Rank Math as a rank tracker. So uh, you can feel like they gave so much away for free that they're trying to find stuff to put for the paid one, but they're kind of running out because they gave they put everything in the free version. I would not be surprised to see some of the free features slide back to the paid version in the future, but at the time at which we're recording, just use Rank Math. And it's also integrated with most page builders at this point. So you can edit like your title tag in Elementor if you're editing a page on Elementor, for example. You don't have to go back to the WordPress editor. So overall, yeah, use Rank Math pretty much. I'm going to just mention just three more plugins that we use. We really don't use that many plugins. You know, I showed you the TAS uh, case study site and there's like six plugins on it or something. It's like we're really running lean. The first one I recommend for people who are uh, a little bit advanced with tracking is going to be Google Tag Manager uh, for WordPress. Essentially, it allows you to not only put your Google Tag Manager pixel on your site, it also allows you to send dimensions to Tag Manager like The author name of the post, like the category, like the tags, etc. So we use that to get more granular data into Google Analytics. And so for that, I really like it. Obviously, Tag Manager is amazing as well, so you should use that. Advanced custom fields, we use that together with Elementor to build advanced like review templates, for example, roundup templates where we put like product data, it appears in the header, it looks really fancy, really a good way to customize WordPress. And one that we've never mentioned before, which is WP Media Folders. It saves our lives. So you know how the library in, of media in WordPress is just like one file. It's like as if you were putting all your files on your desktop. Well, this allows you to essentially make folders inside your media library. So we do one per blog post, for example, per page. It allows us to keep our media organized and reuse stuff rather than like you know, re-upload new images all the time, which eventually costs you a lot of money when you use hosting like Kinsta for example, that has limited hard drive space. And so you need to be a little bit careful with that. And if you don't do that, you're going to end up having to clean or you're going to have to pay overages. And we do both. To be honest. So yeah, if you're going to go to premium hostings, it's nice to manage your media library. It's going to save you a lot of money. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Anything else to add? Nope. Okay, well now we have the comment of the week, right? That's the, the new section.
1: Yes, it is. So every week we're going to go through one of your comments on our. My comments? Either the last, not you, you, the audience I'm speaking, speaking to, uh, comments on our YouTube videos uh, on on the YouTube channel for the like past few weeks and just pick up something interesting, question someone said or something interesting someone, someone said and just address it. So this one comes from uh, Lena Walker who said in regards to the email podcast, which you said we, Didn't perform quite well. She said, "Great episode." She had a question about Hunter.io and like, what's the difference between Hunter as like an outreach tool and using that as like a mailing list for autoresponder thing? And for people in the know, they might think this is a stupid question, but it's something that comes up quite a lot. People ask, "Why can't I use Mailshake or Hunter to email my email list for an autoresponder?" And they're just fundamentally different tools. Hunter. Mailshake and these kind of tools are for outreaching to cold prospects. You upload a list, you send them an email with a few follow-ups. Active Campaign, get response MailChimp, these ones are for when P- Mailalite, when people su- uh, subscribe and expect to receive recurring emails from you about your content and stuff. It's not so much for pitching people. So yeah, that's that's the main difference. And between, you shouldn't mix them. them.
0: You're going to get banned from yeah. the tools if you use them the wrong way, right, so... Uh, don't do that. And overall, they're just designed for that much better. So, yeah, people who opt in, email them with like Metalite. People who you outreach to for links, email them with hunter.io or Mailshake or something like this.
1: And she also says, she also says, congrats on your two hundred fiftieth episode. And you know, we here don't celebrate big milestones like that here. Uh, for, for whatever reason, but she says and she challenged us for the 300th episode, which would be about this time next year one of us has to dress up as King Leonidas from the 300.
0: Yeah, definitely so. need to lose somebody fat then. <laughs> it's
1: like, it's like, so ch- it's like, ch- challenge, challenge accepted, was it?
0: Yeah, let's see. It's like, depends on my diet a few weeks before, but we can, we can work on that. Okay. Before we close it up, I wanted to uh, give a shout out to our free webinar where we actually talk a lot about tools. So if you want more information, you can go on Auto Hacker Training dot and we don't just share tools we share how we start new sites there's a bunch of tools that have changed system but a lot of this stuff is still relevant and reliable so go and check it out i think uh you will enjoy it anything any final words of wisdom now that you didn't tell us how it's going i need to put you on the spot at the end of the podcast you know
1: no final words of wisdom yeah, unfortunately well,
0: Final words of wisdom is don't overspend on tools, I think, just buy the tools that you need. And a lot of the tools we mentioned here are free, like pretty much all the things we mentioned are free. Rank Math is free, Canva has a free version, all the branding stuff is free. So it shows you that you don't really need to spend that much money and there's a lot of free options. Even Cloudflare has a free tier, you know? Pretty much apart from the hosting, you have a free option in everything we mentioned. So really when we build sites these days, and as I said, the TAS case study site only has like six or seven plugins. You don't need a lot of plugins and you can already build a great site. So on this, if you enjoyed this video, if you want us to talk more about tools, don't forget to like this video, subscribe and click on notification bell, and we'll see you next week. Bye.